commonly it's sort of you know block the front drive from behind and just hope it all pulls together and, and it doesn't it doesn't happen like that um so you know I, the old saying that collection comes from behind well i'm i'm i'm, I'm going to say well actually no collection comes from the mind Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, we're talking to you today about collection and how you can integrate your techniques to help horses carry themselves. But first, you've been busy, as always. You've run your first masterclass day, a day where you literally show people as much as you can with various horses. How did it go? Uh, I thought it went really well, actually. I was really happy, um, you know, with the whole day and how, how it panned out. And I got some really good feedback for some of the helpers that sort of come along and, and offered their horses, but also feedback from people who attended the day that also weren't so familiar with my teachings and stuff like that. Uh, the people who have been to my clinics before and fence sat, they, they've, they said it was really structured and, and, it, and it, everything worked into the next thing really good. So at the end of the day, you could see the, the link from, you know, what we're doing in certain areas uh, in sometimes the early stages of training or where it'd be the groundedness of us and how important leading is. And, and then, you know, the anxiety that horses carry right through to, to the end and how all those things integrate into each one of those horses. So um, I think it gave people a really, uh, and, and it, uh, they, they, they didn't get so lost in information because everything sort of, we kind of did a little circuit back to, back to here and this is why we do this and then move on to here. So, so it gave people a lot more structure as well, uh, which was really good because, you know, uh, looking into a horse's mindset, and, and, and changing a mindset, especially when you're out in front of an audience with different horses that are kind of, you know, one came in and, you know, it, uh, you know, it's rearing and bouncing around. And the other one was, there was another one that wasn't much different to be able to sort of, you know, incorporate what you wanted to do in that session, which was, you know, leading on from the last session, but also address the problem at hand uh, that you have in front of you, which is a horse that's sort of, you know, really bouncing around with a lot of anxiety and still managed to flow through uh, was quite good. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a really good day. And it was also really good to see the raw horses that people deal with. There was no fancy, this is a finished product sort of thing. There was a horse at the end, a lady who I've been uh, working with for a while. She's changed her horse from sort of a flexy sort of doughy horse that had no desire. And, and he did the last demo. And, and, and just to show the rain positions at the end, and it was really a credit to her for the work she's also done on that horse. So, um but it was good just to have different horses that I didn't know a lot about, you know, except except one of them that I knew a bit more about, um, to work with the things that we have in front of us at the moment, and then also incorporate that into the the uh, I guess the philosophy and and the whole sort of how the how the learning was progressing through the day. Not an easy task to perform live with animals that are totally unpredictable I think it's an incredible task um, and so you've got the next masterclass coming up next month in Victoria that's on the 11th of March if anyone's interested in going to it these are only going to run this year so you want to catch them and then you're heading off to Queensland of course in May and South Australia so those two masterclasses popping up there for you and um, definitely look up uh, them and see if you can get along to them Okay, so collection. Now, this question comes from Nat, 
Um, and it, we're going to probe into it. There's a fair bit in, in it, and I think it's going to lead into different areas as well. So it's quite an interesting topic, and I know a lot of you are really interested in what Mark has to say about this. So I'll just read you Nat's question that's triggered this podcast to get done. She says, it's been proven, and countless times she's heard it stressed to her, how important it is that the horse carries itself that it steps under, lifts in the wither and bears more weight on the hind end. How can I combine this with Mark's education and not drive from behind? All the people I know constantly drive from behind, whether it's in saddle or on the lunge. I would like my horse to get to that point, but I don't want to do the dressard style of squeezing her every step. Okay, so she obviously we know what collection is we we know wanting the horse to tuck into that natural sort of position where they hold their neck there's no there's not a rein pulling on their mouth to get to that position and we want them to feel comfortable in that and then at the same time very very light on their front so uh, to do that you sort of got this if you think about a pivot um but a lot of people she's saying sort of help this to happen by driving from behind can you just explain why why would they be driving from behind to get collection because everyone everyone talks about collection coming from the, the hind end. Um, so so the whole philosophy is to get that front end light and the wither lifted. Um, you know, the horse has to engage its hindquarter and um, have its hindquarter in a position that supports that whole horse being uh, equally balanced over all its body. Um, so, so basically, if you watch a horse grazing in the paddock, they've got a lot of weight on their forehand and they've got their head out grazing the ground. So they're not really using their hindquarter. They're all on their forequarter. You know, when a horse is resting under a tree, it's on its forequarter. But the whole idea with collection, and that's why they, people say it comes from behind, is because uh, that, that hindquarter has to engage to support um, the front end uh, and, and, and create a horse that's equally nice and equally balanced. And um, and with good collection, obviously, as you said before, the head carriage is part of it, but the head carriage is one of those things. It's it's, it's kind of the, 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 the product of a soft horse, not necessarily the, the thing that we make happen, hoping the back end's going to sort itself out. Okay. So in that case, um, if if they're wanting to drive from behind to sort of get this, uh, what's what's wrong with doing that? Can you just explain for people who might not be familiar with your techniques? Well, the the thing about, you know, there's there's a whole process that leads to the next, that leads to the next. And um, driving from the hind is just, you know, almost saying the hind quarter is going to fix it all. And, and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, but too commonly, it's sort of, you know, block the front, drive from behind and just hope it all pulls together. And, and it doesn't it doesn't happen like that. Um, so you know I, the old saying that collection comes from behind. Well, I'm 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 going to say well actually no, collection comes from the mind of a horse. Um, and eventually, because the mind's in a good 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 space, it, 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 there's a lot of understanding in that horse, and the horse is um, letting go of certain things. Then that hindquarter is going to be in the right place to support good posture um and collection but it's the blocking of the mind that's causing the hind not to engage itself and and if people don't look at that hard enough they're going to just keep poking a hindquarter to come forward and and the horse is kind of um not allowing the person in through a whole bunch of other areas so then it just locks up and that and all that driving pressure they're using from behind just turns into impulsion which pushes the horse forward into contact which is blocking it which causes a massive big brace in the horse so 
um, you know, you, when I look at a horse, whether it be a dressage horse, whether it be a, a, a Western-style horse, and, you know, some, I mean, someone says, my horse is on its forehand or it's not doing this, it's not doing that, I don't look at it as, oh, we've got to get that hindquarter more engaged. I look at it and say, well, what is the horse blocking? Where is it blocking? What does it understand first? And and by the time you go through all those little details that the horse doesn't understand, and that's that's not even going into all the little details and movements a horse needs to know to be more um, versatile within collection. And that's another thing I think goes, gets pushed under the carpet a little bit is the versatility within collection, uh, which is a massive key. But but what I'm saying is when I'm looking at a dressage horse that's been ridden into contact all its life with that principle of the horse comes through from behind and the... Um, what I do is I just address why the horse is not collecting or sorry, what, what's, what is blocking out and what it doesn't understand. And, and I go through all those little pieces. And then when those pieces start to fix, I don't have to worry about the hindquarter because it naturally comes through itself because the horse starts to let go and it allows the person in to their mind and their body. And once that, that horse allows them in, then the horse releases the tension in its body to allow itself to use itself properly. Um, and as I say, driving from behind is just one little piece of collection, but it's the piece that seemed to be sold the most. It's almost like the holy grail. But to me, it's the horse allowing us in and being soft with all the little things we're asking and also finding out the things that it's really resisting or blocking out. Fixing those things, then you get self-carriage because the horse says, thank you, I'm in a good space and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll be more collected. Okay, so have you got any specific tips then that Nat can start to implement where she can use what you use, you know, your whole integrate the whole concept of, of um, engaging their mind and getting that softness? How can she, is there anything okay. like specific that she can be working on? Well, there's, I'll, I'll talk about some specific things, but then I'll sort of give you some ideas is you've got to go through all the little basic things that you're showing your horse. Uh, and I'll go through the process of getting your horse more versatile so then it's comfortable and confident within a, more of a collected frame. So basically, um, the first place we're touch, you know, the first place is even when we walk up to a horse. If we walk up to a horse, it gets a hard eye and the muscles stiffen up. Well, we're not going to get collection because being around that horse is obviously uh, causing a block in it that's saying I'm not, I'm not soft enough with a human around me to even sort of think about collecting and collecting and half the horses I come across suffer from the fact that I've got a human guiding me and I don't really trust them because of all the bad pressure they've applied. So I'm the wall's going up already. And and then, then the person's in the round yard trying to sort of get the horse to drive from behind. And I'm like, well, you can't get that horse to drive from behind because the operator is, um, well, the horse is, 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 is tense as soon as the operator's standing there. So that tension just filters through the whole lesson. So, so, you know, the things that we've got to look at when we want to build good collection, and I will go into some more basic fundamentals of, of, of the exercises we're going to do, but I want to put that into context because it's so important that when we walk up to a horse and we put a hand on it, we put a feel through a rope on it, is it blocking us out? Is it in that, that, that good state of awareness, that healthy awareness, or is it, or is it not? Uh, you know, so, so we have to really look at that when we, when we work with our horses and if they're in a nice, healthy state of awareness, you should be able to pick up a feel on that rope and you can see the horse's horse searching in its mind, but the whole body being able to support that thought 
because every muscle is kind of loose and alive and ready to softly move. And a lot of horses can't even do that. They just lock up, lock up their chest straight away. Their eyes go hard and they wrinkle their nose and they just go, uh. So every movement is a kind of bracy movement and people might have their horse going sideways in all different directions, but every movement is a bracy, bracy movement. And there's always a resistance because the horse, as I said before, it's not allowing that person into its mind and its body because it's, it's just become braced over the years. So, so, so firstly, we have to address that. And then we can go into the exercises that help build better collection. Um, so going into those exercises, the next thing I want people to sort of think about is, okay, if the horse is not fighting and got strong thoughts. So the other thing is like the horse is thinking away over there and, Every time we pick up a rein, it hangs onto those thoughts. So the horse has to be very versatile in its mind and has to be adjustable in its mind. So if you've got a, if you've got a horse thinking forward and you pick up a left rein, it should be able to think left. If you pick up two reins, it should be able to come back with its thoughts and engage a bit more if, if you want it to back up or just, just be a bit more available. Um, but a lot of horses I see, they're not very adjustable in their thoughts. They hang on to one thought for too long and it takes a lot of pressure for them to change it. And then they, then they, so, so basically, um there's that if they're not adjustable in their mind then transition becomes a really hard task because every transition is a change of thought so the horse is thinking something else so then the transition becomes a big brace and then if you did have a little bit of collection in some sort of forward movement as soon as you change that movement into another movement you get a big brace you lose all that collection so 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 all that is so important in it. And that's why I say that the, the, the biggest piece that people talk about, the driving from behind, seems to be like the gospel or the holy grail. But actually, it's the, the tiniest little piece because, as I said, that's the bit that I think that sorts itself out uh, when, when, when the horse is, you know, as I say, letting us in and soft. So thinking about all that sort of stuff, then we've got to go, okay, then the horse needs impulsion for that and it's got to have self-carriage. and um, so there's a there's a I heard a, a I think it was a German classical dressage trainer he he said something which which really picked my ears up and it was good to hear is in collection a horse ha must have more impulsion than us okay um, and you see a lot of people with their horses they're doing a lot of stuff with their body and their energy they're kicking on every stride and it looks like they they're out there doing a sort of power uh, what is it what's that everyone getting into CrossFit <laughs> it looks like they're out there doing CrossFit on their horse. And the horse looks dull in, dull in the eye and dull in the body because it's got so dull from all that white noise of the person being so active and so drive, drive, drive all the time because it's never had, um, you know, self-carriage because it's never had its own desire and impulsion. So, so it's crucial that a horse has more impulsion than us. And the other thing that is an old horsemanship saying, I think goes back to Tom Dorrance, is there's an old saying, which, which is an awesome saying for any sort of subject to training horses, and that's, I follow you, you follow me, and then we go together, okay? So to me, a horse must have more impulsion than you, and I follow you, you follow me, and then we go together, go so hand in hand in a sense. So a lot of times I see people in their groundwork, they're sort of stepping up, putting a lot of energy into their horse, and then they sort of get that horse to move off their energy. But as soon as their energy drops a little, the horse just goes flat and the horse is always carrying less energy than the person. So when you're doing groundwork and riding with your horses, the, the whole process of getting a horse just to sort of look out and search and doing the one rein starts and all those things help a horse crawl out of that sort of standing, sort of low energetic, low uh, 
awareness state into an awareness state where they're searching, but the person themselves are actually standing quite calm and relaxed. And then the horse grows into energy while the person's still sitting on a low energy, which means the horse learns to sit above our energy all the time instead of bringing our energy up a heap and the horse never quite coming to our energy. So then later on when we ride, the horse has more energy than us. As we, as we put a feel through the horse, we sit quietly, but the horse learns to carry that impulsion because one, we've taught it to lead. I follow you. That's the crucial part. So we're teaching it to lead in its desire and its interest in things. Um, and the other one is the horse has impulsion because desire and interest in doing something creates a natural impulsion, which causes that perpetual motion that we need uh, for a horse to have good self-carriage. It's not just a perpetual motion. It's a perpetual uh, awareness of the horse that is constantly searching and available and ticking over all the time. Whereas a lot of horses I ride, they tick over for a bit. You stop doing something and the mind just goes to still, boom, and it just stops to the ground and then you lose them and you've got to pick them up again and then you lose them. So, so that perpetual motion and that constant sort of searching awareness in our horses is the other key for good collection and versus yeah, and 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 not having to work and work a sweat up on ourselves holding a horse up and then as soon as we take a breath the horse drops out from underneath us so that's super crucial in the build up to to good good collection um and then i guess the next subject is all the exercises we can do to help get a horse more collected so something i'll say is i see a lot of people uh and i'm not trying to be critical of people i'm just trying to sort of say um, you know, just don't do too much of one thing. And a lot of times I see them, you know, they've got different sort of tie down systems, something that goes around the back end of the horse to help it be more aware of its hind quarter and something, something else in front of it to block the front and then a stick to drive more impulsion into it. And then they get this horse moving forward all the time and they might get some forward movement where the horse might look a bit collected and carry itself. But versatility is paramount in in collection because where i see some courses lose that confidence in carrying themselves is when we put a change of direction a change of movement say we went from one sideways movement into a pirouette into something else no matter what it is if it's dressage or it's or we, we're riding a horse and we sort of stop it and we roll it back and you know things like that um where horses lose the confidence in collection is in the, the 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 different directions and movements that we're teaching them because a lot of this driving forward collecting from behind is one thing but a horse has to be super confident on its feet and this is where the individual little exercises come into play so a horse has to be able to so has anyone like just imagine this you're trying to get a horse over an obstacle so everyone's very familiar with a a, a soft horse sniffing an obstacle and just gently testing it with its feet you know, we're all sort of very, very happy to let a horse test something with its front feet and just gently walk up, walk up on an obstacle. But has anyone worked on a horse testing with its back feet? And what I mean testing, you know, if you, if you ever imagine an elephant's trunk just sniffing and, you know, testing the ground or, you know, things like that, imagine each foot is like an elephant's trunk. And, and that trunk, that, that, that elephant's trunk or that foot is, is so confident at moving in different positions and placing very softly and cautiously and being um, mobile and versatile in the sense that the horse doesn't just go backwards and forwards with its hind feet. It can move a hind foot out. It can move it back in. Um, all those exercises teach a horse to be very versatile and loose in its back end and very, very confident 
with changing a movement in its hind feet at any in any position um and and where i see a lot of horses struggling in being comfortable at being collected and staying collected is they're not very confident at um moving their hind feet in different positions they've got very rigid movement in their hind feet they've been taught three things and they just go to those three movements but they don't know how to sort of adjust and change if things get a bit tricky uh if suddenly they're in a funny position if the ground's different um they 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 don't know how to be versatile and confident in those back feet so that's where all the you know back up softly move your hind over softly move your hind over softly back up softly move your hind over softly um, all those exercises in hand and under saddle we do to build a horse's confidence um, and and as I, I I reinforce the word confidence because it's not about doing a movement being worried about moving away from pressure it's being about being being about um, being in touch with your body and confident enough to place your feet without feeling harassed or you have to run away from a stick too early so that's why the driving pressure can be dangerous in body control because instead of just twisting a rein and allowing a horse to find its balance, the horse has got to get off the stick. So they become more focused on the stick or the leg and getting off the pressure. So they lose their confidence in their footfall. And when they lose their confidence in their footfall, then all of a sudden they're kind of running away a bit. So they don't get confidence in the placement of the foot. They're all, always trying to pick up their foot and get away. And the placement of every foot is so much so important as the lifting of a foot and i think if we do lots of slow confidence building exercises like you know back up move the forequarter over back up move the hindquarter over all those things now get a really slow walk um then our horse gets really confident at placing its hind feet couple that with a horse that's balanced and using its hindquarter well you don't suddenly lose it when the horse gets in different positions it needs for different movements because the horse is so versatile, it, it, it just it just stays collected the whole way through. And, and I think um, doing body control and soft body control exercises, all the things that we do, like just a simple lead rope exercise that just getting a horse soft is so good for helping collection because every one of those movements, when we pick a horse up, we lift its wither to get it to back up. We lift its wither to get it to step over. When it does a good hindquarter yield just at the last clinic, um, there was a horse that had its hindquarter chased over, but it was so rigid that it all only knew one movement with its hindquarter. So then when you backed it up, the only backup it could do with its feet was dead straight line like a train. So when you tried to bend it a little in a backup, it panicked because the hind feet wanted to go straight because it had been run backwards. But you, it couldn't just loosen its hind and adjust to that change of inertia. And it was a real stressful thing for that horse to go, I have to do something different. But if you ask it to do a hindquarter yield with a forward movement, easy peasy, do it all day. But as soon as you said, just do something, because uh, do something with the feel of that rein slightly differently, it'd go, no, because every movement it did was a mechanical movement, not a, not a, um, a movement where the horse was just gently finding the answer. So, and I see that all the time that a horse can back up, it can do a hindquarter yield, it can do a turn on the hindquarter, but every one of those movements are, a, uh, it's almost like a, a cue and the horse cannot adjust in that movement with the change of a rein or a letting out of a rein. They just have to do the movement and, and, and there's no, no, no confidence in their footfall. So you've been talking quite a lot about how the horse is 
feeling and responding to what we're asking it to do there how what's what's some of the common areas that you often see brace in this particular movement i think the biggest area well apart from this what i talked about before which was you know when we walk up to a horse when we pick up a rein but the biggest brace and the conflict in the, the two main areas that cause the most conflict in in why horses are blocking us out uh, or the main the main fundamental tools that we use that are the, 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 the that that are most clear the reins and the heels okay so the two the two areas so one big area when we pick up a rope or a rein on a horse it's got a lot of brace and it fights it and the biggest you know one of the biggest braces i see is a horse in the base of the neck they just lock up so it's a good brace for a horse because when they freeze and stare and they've got a freeze sort of they freeze, lock up the front. When you spook them a little in their eye, they lock up the front. And, and, and by locking up the front, obviously they can't collect. So one of the big braces I'm working on is that locking up at the front. And, and another area, like you pick up on the reins and they, like you, and they lock up in the front the same thing. So, so they're, they're constantly bracing and locking up for that, that, that contact we pick up. Sometimes it could start from a brace in the jaw when we pick up the rein and then it, then, then it turns into a brace in the base of the neck where the horse just freezes those front feet and it causes a, 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 and that rigidity, obviously with that perpetual motion, once you get that rigidity, you lose perpetual motion because the whole horse stops when you pick up a rein. So flowing in the reins is really, really important and getting the brace in the base of the neck to disappear is really important. So, so, you know, so hence why I get a horse from a standstill and I do one rein starts on horses because over the years of watching horses and training and different sort of ideals, I noticed that there's a lot of people blocking and driving, blocking and driving. As soon as you use a rein to block a horse uh, in your mind, you're actually possibly causing the horse to want to stop in the reins, stop in the reins. So when we're riding a horse, the horse, every time we pick up a rein, sometimes it's conflicted between stopping and bracing and movement so so i do a lot of one rein starts you know start the horse off with a hind quarter yield with a run rein start start it with an open the four quarter with a one rein start start a backup with a with a rein start you know little things like that that teach the horse and go from standing to movement but but all in all the the first thing and the biggest brace in the body that i'm looking at is not necessarily how its hind feet are it's it's where it's kind of really locking up and, and a lot of time that's in that chest area right up through so to lift the wither sometimes i get into that brace there so i'll do a lot of lifting up with horses where i lift until they kind of loosen their feet a bit lift until they loosen their feet and when i lift you'll see that inside front foot loosen and both feet then start to loosen and then i can just push the horse over the wither just lifts and moves over and then gently you can put a little twist in the rope and the hind quarter comes around and, and those movements there are really saying when i pick up the reins loosen bring your awareness up lift in the wither and when a horse softens and lifts in the wither the hindquarter has to do something to support that so when the horse lets go of the brace it says i'm here well it just tells its hindquarter you've got to support that now because the hindquarter the forequarters become available and ready to move so by a lot of cases if I, I wouldn't look at a horse and go gee you've got a big brace in the base of the neck i think you need to tuck your hindquarter in and just push the hindquarter up i'd try and address the brace where I see the most resistance and do an exercise which trying to targets that front end and, and gets it to release. And then in the releasing of that, the hindquarter goes, oh, I'm happy to help a nice open forequarter that, and a horse is really lifted and aware because it kind of has to do that anyway. So from there, as I said before, we're not trying to make the horse do something. We're trying to get it to let go of the fight in any question that we're asking. Um, 
And then when it lets go of that fight, then, then, uh, you know, then, then it gives all its feet softly. So, so, you know, there's so many exercises that we're doing with our horses and that's why I do all those exercises because that gives the versatility, the confidence in movement. Um, and the other one that I haven't brushed on, which I, I think it's a gold nugget in the sense of just getting a horse to collect and be ready for lateral work and stuff like that. And I came across it teaching slow horses to walk a bit faster to the leg, but also teaching fast horses to find a slow walk and there's this walk that you ask a horse to do. It doesn't matter if it's a slow horse or a fast horse, but it requires a fair bit of thoughtfulness. So for the slow horses, because it requires thoughtfulness, the horse goes, I'm really got to think about that. Um, so, so what happens is you, you, you ask the horse to go so slow until you feel it nearly stall. And stalling is when you feel the, the movement go clunk, 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 like it's going to stop. And some horses have a higher clunking stalling rate than others. The lower the stalling rate, as in the closer to the standstill in speed, is the softer the horse. The higher the stalling rate, the more brace in the horse. So a lot of horses, when you pick up on the reins, they, they start to slow down and then they shorten their stride and then get clunky. If your horse has that in their body, then collection, picking up on the reins, again, to carry up into themselves, is kind of impossible because every time you pick up the reins, it causes a clunking, stalling feeling in their body. And then you've got to kick them harder to get them, keep them going. And then that's where you lose that uh, collection it just becomes forward drive into the brain into the reins so a lot of the horses that in our old dressage horses too that are very heavy i'll do that can you walk really slow loosen can you walk really slow and then when i feel them clunk a little i'll loosen up on the reins let them carry the slowest walk that they've just found before they clunked and then stalled into a stop and then i'll slow them down again and i'll get that that so close to the stop but a lot of people that have done this exercise they've loosened and then the horse has gone, oh, it's just started to walk like a cat and it got really slow, really slow movement, but the strides get longer and it's almost like this natural impulsion comes through the horse and it goes, ah, oh, and it relaxes into this nice long strided but super slow walk. As I say, like a cat that was constantly in motion, stalking, not stopping and starting. And, and, and a lot of horses, you just see them change, the whole body changes and then they start to, their top line just picks up and their hindquarter loosens and comes through. And that was through no impulsion from behind. It was just getting the horse to let go of the brace and carry a natural impulsion really slowly. So, so something else I think is really good for building good collection and self-carriage in horses is every single movement we do, slow it down. And the problem with a lot of movements that we do that require leg on to teach is it like if I was teaching my young horse to move off my leg, I'd block with the reins and put my leg on and move it over. So the, I'm always increasing the speed of the movement. Whereas if you teach young horses to do movements through the rope and the reins where you're not accelerating it, you can actually slow down sideways yield. So the horse picks its feet up more carefully. So you get more elevation in the feet and, and they just place carefully and they become more confident. So you can actually get even if it was taught to rush away from your leg a bit, if I had one of those horses, I'd do the leg yield without the leg and just say, don't rush, slow down and teach them to slow down in the movement. And in, in the slowing down, that's where you feel that confidence in the horses. And then with that softness of the muscles, and I say the confidence of the placement as much as the pickup, then they start to collect. And then once they've got that softness and that looseness, that's when you start to add impulsion and say, now carry more energy into that, carry more speed into that, whatever you want to do. And, and, and I find that really helps, helps uh, with the stale horses and the old horses that have been tried to collect it, but it never worked. It's just slow everything down, get that cautious catwalk and then slowly build up again. 
Question from Francianus on the same topic. Any tips on helping a horse who's rather heavy on the forehand work more from his hind end? So with, with that uh, uh, questionnaire, it's uh, like I said in just the last bit of the subject there is the lifting of the wither. Um, so any of the lessons where you kind of pick up, get them to loosen, lift their, lift up and, and move across in the forehand. So so sometimes I'll put a lift on a rope. It's important you'll be able to pick up the reins and the horse kind of lifts up with the reins and gets aware. So I tend to do a bit of a lifting lesson. When the horse buries down on my hand, I'll hold and say that's not available. Sometimes I hold and slap my leg to say, hey, don't push down. And then I'll pick up until they start to wriggle their feet and then you just leave them a bit and then you do it again and they'll wriggle their feet. It's a bit of a tough lesson. Um, but it's a really good lesson to get them to sort of let go of that what's what's causing them to be really heavy and you should be able to lift a horse's head until they wriggle their feet and what starts to happen happen is as you pick up on the reins the horse lifts and lifts the wither so instead of lifting their head and getting really out of balance they tend to lift their wither up instead of just poking their head up really high and and that teaches them and from there you do a little lift a little move sideways and then you just push them into a little backup and they'll go lift over and back up and that teaches them. And, and in the lifting, they're already starting to engage their hindquarter. And you'll see the hind feet want to get a bit loose with the front feet. And then you just get them to back up. And, and from there, then you teach them to back up and step over. You know, maybe when you're on trail rides and stuff like that, you just ride along and overshoot the track you wanted to ride on. Then you just back up and then you just say step over. But it, some horses can back up and step over still on their forehand. So that's why that lifting is really important. Get them to lift and loosen. And there's a lot of videos out there that are on, on the lifting and, and the body control to get them to sort of push out and soften up their fore, forehand and hindquarter. But all those lessons will really help. Okay. And so I wanted to also list um, some of the areas that people can specifically go into on the online membership to look at all this stuff, because I know you've covered a lot in what you've just been saying, but people were interested in specific videos. So... Um, I will put links up on our Facebook online membership group, which is exclusive to the members. But if you go into the membership and you're listening, so there's a whole section on body control. And in that, you'll see videos on lifting the wither and looking at the brace in the front of horses. So you'll find videos there. that will be really specific to help you. Um, one in particular, encouraging the wither to lift. That's a really um uh, strongly uh, advise you to watch that one because it's very specific to this also looking at soft transitions to the legs and how they are responding to rain positions as well so we want softness in both of those areas also videos on releasing brace releasing braces again there's an entire section of videos in there so what i'm getting from you mark um is you know you've covered a whole load of areas to look at perpetual motion starting off with groundwork looking at the versatility of the horse how they're feeling about us as well um putting it all together so rather than adding more tools in order to get collection what you're doing is you're engaging with your horse's ability and limitations like a surgeon going in and looking at all these components um which are determined more by their mindset than perhaps traditional horsemanship cares to acknowledge so um sounds to me like getting collection would be you know it's a brilliant way to go to tackle it through your techniques which are going to get a much happier and more responsive softer horse quite naturally which is you know what you want with collection isn't it you want it to be this natural movement 
And I think uh, you're going to have to um, bring in one of your lovely big horses and see if we can get this um, some footage for people. I think that'd be fantastic to see you building collection in a horse. Just an idea, throwing it in there, Mark, <laughs> when you get a bit of time. Um, we'll leave it there. But uh, if you if you sort of like this topic, um, to continue on, if you listen to the next week's podcast, we will be asking Mark about his thoughts on whether his techniques can produce a high-level reigning horse. So a different topic altogether. Thanks very much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Australia's very own Mark Langley, a horseman with many insights from his decades of dabbling. Jump online to keep learning. marklangley.com.au